0: A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy and Martin. Hello and welcome back to an A to Z of UK TV drama with me, Andy, and me, Martin. Hello, how are you doing? Yes, okay. All things being considered, and stuff
1: and things. Fair enough. I right. a little bit, of, little bit of stage fright before this. I always get stage fright before we do these. Oh, yeah. so uh, so it's, I think I think it's the fact that we're, we're getting to halfway through the alphabet now. We absolutely are, yeah. uh, which is which is surprised me. Just the speed we seem to be rattling through it, but also you know that that strange and alarming feeling that you're going to get found out <laughs> which, which tends to trouble me anyway yes yes no um how's the world with you oh um well it, it's happening around me it's what it feels like um yeah i think i think we should mention really we're the, the first week of june at the moment and yeah it we feels, to a certain extent like the world around us is imploding completely yeah riots everywhere and
0: and quite rightly the the black lives matter is the absolute um center of what's going on at the moment and ironically tabloid hack yes yes exactly but ironically this is perfect timing for what we plan to do today which is just incredible that it's kind of fitted it's it's so weird it's kind of like it couldn't be more apposite really but um Yes, it was. We, it's important to mention that we didn't choose this um, because no. of these events, but it just kind of has
1: fitted in rather, rather strangely and directly. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you, you almost start to think that the world is 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 is, <laughs> is kind of uh, <laughs> picking on you in some ways <laughs> and trying to say, hold on, hold on, you want to do letter L? Okay. <laughs> you really we'll pick to... this. yeah we'll make it. Uh, and it's not. It really isn't. It's just terrifyingly. I think the, the, the terrifying truth is the piece we've chosen is a, is a TV movie uh, written in 1985 as a response to the Broadwater Farm riots that happened that year. Yeah. And 35 years later, here we are, and yeah. pretty much the same situation exists. Yeah. Which is kind of terrifying in its own way. Totally. So, do you want to tell everybody what we're talking about, Andy? Yes. They've probably seen it on the title anyway, but we'll. Yeah, so we're, we're talking about.
0: London's Burning, um, not the series as such, but what is now regarded as a telly movie on IMDb. It's not a telly movie. It's it was a single television play slash film um, mm-hmm. written by Jack Rosenthal, the great Jack Rosenthal. It was about time we got to him, really. So I'm pleased we have. Um, and it's a two hour with ads film. <laughs> yes. one hour and forty five without. And mm-hmm. it was so successful that it was obvious that a series should follow and a series did follow from 88 to 2002 I
1: believe yeah, 14 series, 172 episodes, Wow, really? that's yeah. a lot of television yeah. uh, and I don't think I watched any of them, nor I <laughs> so, so there we go that was letter L right <laughs> <Dan>. <laughs> no but we
0: should, we should talk um, before we get into London's Burning just a bit about Jack Frosenthal if I may indeed Um, famously started off I think writing for Corrie, wrote a lot for Corrie and then um, he created various sitcoms, including The Lovers, um, The Dustbin Men, and my personal favourite, Sadie It's Cold Outside, with, with um, Bernard Hepton, which is amazing. So clever.
2: This is Sadie. She is one of the five out of every five housewives who can't tell Stork from Blue Band, Summer County and Flora. When Sadie was a little girl, her one ambition was to be a housewife she thought how exciting it would be to cook, clean, and go shopping every day. Uh, Sadie has now cooked, cleaned, and gone shopping 8,279 times. Her one ambition now is to take all her clothes off in the middle of Tesco's, stick a green shield stamp on her navel, and scream herself sick. (laughs) This is Norman, Sadie's husband. Norman was a Marmite baby in the days when bread used to taste of bread. At 14 and a half, they saw each other's spotty faces before spotty faces became really fashionable and started courting. During those long, hot, perfect summer evenings we've heard so much about, they'd shelter from the pouring rain in the bandstand in the park. And he'd whisper what he was going to do when he grew up. Open the batting for England, harness the power of the sun, lead the workers to revolution, nationalise the monarchy, unite the whole of mankind in brotherhood and equality, and be a millionaire. Norman was special, a man of destiny. One thing he'd never be was one of the crowd. He hasn't yet, however, got round to doing any of those things. He would have done, but he's been busy every Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday night watching television. The same goes for Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays. And Sunday, of course, is his day of rest. Sunday, he watches television.
1: I do remember that when it was first on, you know, right. I remember. I remember. I don't. I remember it being on, and I remember the theme tune, for, and I would have been what about eleven years old, right? So but it, but it's actually locked in because I remember it being enjoyable. Yes, and that's the strange thing about telly when you're a kid, you can't necessarily remember specifics of it, but I do remember the theme tune, you know, and I remember that was a kind of warm feeling that I got from that show. So yeah. you know, it's it's.
0: It's basically Bernard Tepton and Rosemary Leach sitting down to watch TV together so it's, it's, it's <laughs> and talking about it. So it's very ahead of its time for 1975. Ah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> then you've got um, yeah. the big play, you must mention, which is Ready When You Are, Mr. McGill, which was yes. later remade in 2003, and that's about uh, supporting artists, you'd call them these days, but then it was mm-hmm. an extra who mm-hmm. has his big break on this film, but he really is just... He's he just a bit part, but he causes a lot of trouble and headaches for the directors and the cast.
1: Indeed.
0: Yes. And then. And um, the knowledge, yeah, of course. The knowledge, which is about damn taxi drivers and cabby drivers in London, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: At the time I started on The Knowledge, I was on the payroll of the biggest firm in England, the Department of Health and Social Security, on The dull I've been out of work ever since I left school nearly, with my four O levels. That's the advantage of a good education. You learn how to write so as you can sign on and how to read so as you can see what jobs you've no chance of ever getting. And, th- and is an acknowledged classic of the form. I mean, yeah. the one-off TV play, the one-off TV movie, the long-form TV mm-hmm. drama, kind of doesn't happen as much anymore, if ever. Yeah. But, uh, but he, he was one of these people who wrote, you know, several of the ones that people talk about and people remember, mm-hmm. those titles. Uh, you've got you said Yang Patang Kipperbang. Yeah. Bar for Mitzv- boy, Bar for boy is remembered. Um, spend, spend. another spend. Sunday, yeah, yeah, another Sunday. Spend, Spend, Spend. They're all sort of the ones that are the kind of keynotes from that era. Yeah. I'm not sure. Are they all ITV? Was he? Was he an ITV? No, no, no. Some of them were BBC. No. Yeah, right. So, yeah. He, so he, he did. He did cross to, to yes. the side. Yeah. In uh, fact, I've
0: got a DVD set which is Jack Rosenthal at the BBC, and one which is at the IT, at ITV. So I've got the both. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these media whores!
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah a, good, a good old-fashioned Northern Manchester lad. Yeah, yeah which, uh, which, which 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 means that uh, you know we've got a lot of lot of time for him. And and one who a writer who was possibly considered uh, more of a black comedy. Would you say black comedy writer? Yeah, he, he wrote comic form. Yeah. Um, but also very dramatic, dramatic comedy form. Yeah, and but, and also uh, very
0: racially aware because he was Jew, much, he was yes. Jewish, and you know, Indeed. obviously his
1: his roots were important to what he was writing, particularly in *Bar for Boy*. Yeah, yes. a lot a lot of getting sort of his culture into the into the wider mm. uh, the wider environment. It was. Was very much uh, one of his ra- uh, raison d'être, yeah. you know. His, uh, I mean, I, I uh, spent some time this week f- digging out. I have a copy of his po- posthumous uh, autobiography. I don't ah. know if you've, if you've seen it. No. Uh, it took me some finding because it, would, it had been put in completely the wrong place. And he wrote it all as a screenplay. Ah. Um, you know, I think uh, so. It's, it's a fascinating read because it is written in screenplay form. But was was not published until the year after he died. So, okay. it's, uh, so, th- so that's an interesting aside. It's called, and I quote, by Jack Rosenthal, an autobiography in six acts. Ah. And uh, I don't know whether it's still widely available. It was about fifteen years ago or now, but yeah. uh, it's, it's it's worth a read. There's some there's some interesting notes about London's burning, which we'll get to later. Oh,
0: okay, cool. I'm glad he found that. And the other thing we should probably say is that he is. He was probably irritated by being known as this, but Mr. Maureen Littman. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Because he was, you know, but that's kind of nice for a change that a man is being um, second to his to his wife. I kind of like that.
1: <laughs> it, also, it also is the lot of writers in the world, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. You know, we are <laughs> the writer. The writer is not really the person. If you want, if you want to get on a movie, the writer is not the person to go to. <laughs> no.
0: But he was someone whose name we know. I mean, he's up there, isn't he, with the oh. other ones?
1: Yeah. This well, be- is it. I mean, I, I would, I would say, in many ways, I know, I know, we've been sort of lauding Plato in, yeah. in in one or two of these, um, yeah. these pieces. But uh, I think, I think he's up there with Plato in the yeah. same kind, held in the same kind of esteem and regard, really. Indeed, and indeed has the same consistency of um, quality. Yeah, hit rate. Know? Yeah, very Yeah. Good. yeah. I mean, is it, is it something like 100 and, that's 100 and something Coronation Street? It, it's, oh, yeah. It's, it's, a, a, it, it's an astonishing number. quantity yeah, yeah. that are credited
0: to yeah, him. Yeah. I mean, the famous one that um, is on the Jack Rosenthal at ITV set is the one where mm. they go to Blackpool, isn't it? Aye. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was really tempted to watch, but I didn't have time, so I didn't. But Yeah. No. yeah. I don't know.
3: Doesn't take much to me or some people, does it?
4: How do you mean, Kelly?
3: Well, look at it. Beside the great British seaside, Mastopia, here we come. No wonder some people emigrate. What are you talking about? Well, just think of it. For 50 weeks of the year, they work to save up for this, a fortnight in Blackpool. Chip shops, stink of onions, lights, some imbecile sideshows, a dirty great concrete fairground, and they're happy, or so they think. Of course they're happy, Ken. They wouldn't come otherwise, yeah. would no, they? No, they don't know any better. They live in dumps like Coronation Street, and they think this is paradise. Well, what's wrong with it? Everything. It's overcrowded, overcharged. It's not right, Val. People deserve better than this. Some people work hard, very hard, all the year round, and this is what they get at the end of it. If only they could want a bit more. Well, it wouldn't do if everyone was alike, would it? Well, it's just what they are in this place, like a lot of sheep. Look, Ken, you enjoy yourself going to the theatre and reading and all that. Well, other people are different. They enjoy this. You mean they think they do, because they don't know any better. You're not enjoying yourself. I am. But then I enjoy being with you. Well, let's see you smile,
0: then. So we should also mention the rest of the production team. Um, Les Blair is the director, who yes. was also BAFTA winning. He won the BAFTA for two different single plays as part of mm-hmm. Screen One. And mm-hmm. the producer was Paul Knight, who mm-hmm. had previously helmed more sort of fantastical dramas, so Dick Turpin and Robin of Sherwood. Were just right. behind him before he took on this
1: two-hour London's Burning, which is kind of interesting because, in that sense, you almost feel that there was a sense that this might be a pilot. Yes. Oh, hugely. hugely to put that kind of team in place from 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 day one. Right? Yes, exactly. An actual yeah. producer
0: because he did go on to produce it, mm. the series. Mm. So yeah, um, it does have such a. It's, it, it screams out for a series so clearly. Mm. It's amazing in a way that it wasn't. Like more of just a pilot followed by very quickly a series hmm. because it's just so obviously perfect format. Hmm. I, I mean, I still wouldn't have watched it, by the way. But <laughs> no,
1: well, the thing is, that there, there is this kind of there is this uh, there is this place in the world for the one-off drama. I think I think we can, yeah. uh, as we're discussing it, we should probably n- not exactly detach it from the series that followed, but yeah. but look at it. As um, as a as a piece on its own, Absolutely. because it uh, very it very much it was written as that and was intended as that by the writer, if, if nobody else. But uh, the the other side of that coin is there is a fascinating thing that when you think about the amount of police series there are and the amount of casualty or you know the uh, hospital based dramas there are, yeah, you do kind of think that, th- that it was crying out for. <laughs> for somebody to start writing about the fire uh, department. Because, you know, it just wasn't really an area that had been touched on. Now, whether that's because of the difficulties of, you know, setting fire to a studio every week or whatever. I've suddenly
0: got this image of a really bad 70s version of London's Burning with with giant (laughs) fires like you get in Doctor Who that look
1: wrong and just like little (laughs) fires (laughs) that are meant to look big and stuff like that. And, and and sort of model churches exploding. Yes, uh, uh, yeah, it would have that. been such a doing. bad series. <laughs> have, well, yes. I mean, or indeed, or indeed a sitcom, which was equally. <laughs> oh God. Equally alarming. Sadie, it's hot <laughs> outside. <Yeah. laughs> well, I mean, again, with the current circumstances, there's been a lot of criticism now of of the the jolly japery of Brooklyn Nine Nine. You know, right. which is which is suddenly becoming. Doesn't sit well with the actual what people are seeing on their televisions, and
0: uh,
1: and and I feel that sometimes you you kind of feel. I mean, despite the fact that London's burning, the original nineteen eighty six film is seen as a as a black comedy. It really isn't very funny, and (laughs) and really goes into some very very dark places. There are there is humour in it because of the nature of the job, but uh, I don't. You know, I don't. You get to the point where sometimes certain shows get pulled because of real life events and you could imagine that uh, that London's Burning specifically might have found itself on the wrong end of that more than once, I don't know. Oh
0: absolutely I mean, another thing I'd like to say is that I think perhaps a, a more accurate title for the, this drama should have been Toxic Masculinity mm. <laughs> It really it's is It's Burning <laughs> <laughs> yes, It's just awful, it was a real hard watch on that basis mm. for me but but it was trying to be accurate, I think. I, mean, I don't, as to how accurate it was at the time of of men in this situation. I presume Rosenfeld did lots of research and spent time at fire stations, etc. Because he's that sort of writer. Hey Bailey, if I miss out on curry, can I have double apricots?
1: you should like
4: curry being one of your lot. You're thick as Columbus, wasn't you? Too hot. He's another one that
2: thought Jamaica was India. Yeah, all right, all right. The nearest you ever got to Jamaica is and Broadway. Exactly. English, right? Thank you. Did I hear someone say thank you? In here? It must be my year olds. I suddenly got this manky year old. Well, it's funny that. I'm sure our souls always sounded very <coughs> healthy. die. Sick note here. Tell Vaseline it's Marion. Vaseline, it's for you. you. Marion.
3: Which Marion? Wife or fiance?
2: Uh, excuse me, Marion. Are
1: you
2: the ugly one
1: or the very ugly one? <laughs> it's always the problem of drama, isn't it? That ultimately to talk about racism and sexism, you have to demonstrate racism yeah. and sexism. And when you watch that, maybe out of time or even maybe at the time, the the discomfort you feel, you should rightly feel, because that's what it's trying to make you feel, um, can be can be quite hard work. And, you, and, it, and the, the people sometimes forget that this is not what necessarily the writer or the producer or the director think, it's just this is what they're trying to show you to say, hold on, you shouldn't um, you shouldn't be like this. Uh, and if it makes you feel uncomfortable at home, then surely, you know, there's something wrong with it and we should be addressing, you know, how to put it right. Uh, there's a famous uh, quote, isn't there, from um, Alf Garnet. Uh, chap mm-hmm. Warren Mitchell yep. when when someone when someone sort of came up to him and said oh you know yeah yeah al yeah, we, we we agree with every word you say and he says yeah Alf is there to basically show you what an idiot you are yes <laughs> you know yes. and uh, and to a certain extent now a, a, a drama like this can can sort of fall on that especially if you're watching it 35 years later you can actually sort of go oh that well oh, that's a bit you know but ultimately, if that was the culture that people were moving into, I mean, once again, I mean, we're we're in a, a series now, <laughs> and again, it's cropped up a couple of times already in, in this this sort of uh, what we've been doing. But oh look, it's a woman. <laughs> oh, I know, and and not
0: um, only oh look, it's a woman, but a woman who mm-hmm. arrives to sexy saxophone music. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> <sighs>
3: I don't believe it. It's a bleeding top. <clears throat> um, attention, Blue Watch. Um, well, this is our new hand, uh, replacing fireman Andrews. Um, Firewoman um, uh, Ingham. Dosie, uh, I believe, right? Yes, sir.
0: <laughs> So we should um, well, give a synopsis.
1: Do you want to do that? Um, well, I, I think I'll leave that to you. Okay. I, I just did. I just did want to um, briefly um, talk to you about. Um, there's, there's a little piece in here if I can find it, yep. where where Jack voiceover in his uh, mm. in his uh, uh, autobiography. The idea of for writing London's Burning really began years earlier when our Swiss opera girl Ruth married Les, a London fireman. They lived with us for a year and almost every day Les had adventures to tell us, some heart-rending, some some hilarious, all of them recreating the unique and uniquely dramatic world of the fire brigade. For a firefighter, going to work might mean going into a literal hell of pitch-black, lung-shriveling smoke and searing infernos and melted corpses and often being lucky to come out alive themselves. To keep sane or insane enough to do the job they do, firefighters devote the other half of their brain to inventing what they call wheezes, practical jokes to us. So um, that is the thinking behind the series and quite a lot of that features in the first yeah. script. Oh, well, Great to in the script,
0: yeah. Good work. So um, London's Burning, this two-hour play is about members of blue watch a fire brigade in london um and what they're doing between um call outs and uh, downtime spending time together at the station um but also when they're out on call and and how terrifying or how mundane it can be when they're hmm. putting out fires and the whole spectrum of that and then also their their home lives a bit, which I imagine was developed more in the series and as it became more soapy as it went along. But the main um, protagonist here is a character called Josie, who is the new replacement who joins Blue Watch and is a bleeding tart, as they say at the start. (laughs) (laughs) Call it's a bleeding tart. (laughs) Mm. Which gives you the sort of level of the Neanderthal nature of this particular group of men in 1986. Mm. Um, Indeed. And the other side of it is one of the key characters is um, Gary McDonald's character called an um, ethnic. his oh, mm. his nickname is Ethnic, and yes.
1: he's the only.
0: I think is he is he the only person of colour at the station? I think.
1: Uh, it, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. The uh, uh the the fascinating thing from that point of view is is the whole nickname subplot. But yes. We'll, we'll come to that. Yeah.
0: So um, so yeah, it's about the. Their trials and tribulations over a few weeks, and as they come to accept Josie, and it leads ultimately to a tragedy, which we'll we'll come back to later. I presume, mm. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
3: we've got some. So, amazing, where do you want to
0: begin? Yeah, some amazing actors. Um, so, I've already mentioned Gary McDonald. You've got James mm. Hazeldine, who is always yes. reliable, and he plays yes. Bayleaf the the. What is he? Is he's, he's called Mess Sergeant? He's, yes,
1: he's the mess sergeant. He, uh, he, he, oh, I did find a quote earlier where he refers to him uh oh, Where are we? No, can't think. Oh yes, the, he's played by the subtly superb Jimmy Hazeldean. Yeah, which I think pretty much is right. You know. Yeah,
0: you've got a very young Jerome Flynn in there. Yes, um, and
1: he's only in the pilot, which which is kind of I didn't know bizarre that. because. Uh, he ended up in lots of series like this. I like mean, there was a, soldier, it's soldier. like this was yeah. successful. So he did a soldier one. yes, yeah. you know? yeah, exactly. Oh, how interesting! Yeah. And then you've
0: got these <laughs> were the, the yeah.
1: these were the forces. I mean, I'm surprised they haven't done an RNLI one yet, but they'll come.
3: wasn't that
0: that dreadful Nick
1: th- Nick Berry thing, or was that
0: not about that? I never watched it. That Harbour Lights thing we used to call it Harbour Shites yeah, really? possibly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, But I never watched <laughs> it. <laughs> called it a bad name never
1: watched it yeah, they, watch them float out through the harbor <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and all
3: those
0: who knew, we made it. Catherine Rogers who someone I didn't know plays hmm. Josie the the yes um, but she went on into the series after this I understand yes and someone uh, performance did, did a couple of years yes someone whose um, performance I really enjoyed was Eric Deacon who played her husband because he was yes. horribly Weasley and nasty yeah. and I knew him yes. from the third series of Survivors where he's uh, yes. semi-regular mm-hmm. anyone else you want to pick out mm-hmm. the
1: one playing Charisma, Charisma. yes Gerard Horan yes yes he was thank wonderful. you Gerard yeah. yeah who was at this stage I mean weirdly enough turns up in The Single Detective around about the same time oh. and has gone off uh, he's one of the other he's, he's with David Ryall in, in, uh, in the uh, you know the two beds next to each other on the same ward as uh, as uh, Michael gamble uh-huh. but he uh, but again his career went on and blossomed and you know has 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 he's been in everything <laughs> since really
3: mm. you know.
1: yeah. um yeah I mean there are a lot you know there are other actors in this that uh, I mean uh, Sean blowers uh, played Hallam now he was um he was in the, this series right from the start for about I think 12 nine or twelve seasons Wow uh, I mean, he was in this for a very long time, and then they, they uh, spoiler alert—they bumped him off. <laughs> okay. To, uh, for for the ratings, you know, oh, we'll get rid of it. We'll get rid of a, we'll a much loved character from Dawn of Time.
3: Mm.
1: The other interesting one, and I, I just wanted to mention it, although it's a very brief cameo, is James Saxon. <laughs> oh yes. Who is in a, a very uh, a Unfortunate scene But of course just bring, brings us a, a, a slight connection to Jonathan Creek <laughs> for, he, for he also played a, de- uh, a detective In one of the ones we watched for that So yeah. uh, things are still connecting in, in strange ways And another connection um, that
0: I must mention
1: Is our con-
0: connection with Last time's karaoke Which is the, the model of Alexandra Palace The matchstick model mm-hmm. which we had, and this, But this time it is destroyed it is destroyed this time by a cat. Yes,
1: but there's this whole thing about uh, people building buildings out of matchsticks in drama, which is not a connection that you or I could possibly foretold. I know. It's what a weird. Tro- is it a trope? Is it is it enough to two things for it to be a trope?
0: I think it is no. I, I don't know. I don't.
1: Actually, I don't even. I don't even remember anybody. I mean, I don't know how widespread it was as a thing people do. <laughs> It's very yes, odd. I mean, the Alexander Palace one is the big one he's doing at home, but he also seems to do it sort of... Or he's, no, he's the big one he's doing at work, and then he also works on other ones at home. It's really quite bizarre. <laughs> it is, but apparently everyone's doing it. But I think, it, it, again, it, it could it could be one of those easy ways of, of signifying the utter boredom. You know, if you've got a hobby, it has to be the kind of hobby that you can put down and go back to. And of course, there is the whole irony of it being built out of matchsticks.
0: Oh God, that had passed me by. How stupid of me! Oh, that makes perfect sense because it's all about his regret that Alex Ale- Alexandra Palace had burnt down on his watch, hasn't that's it? Right. He had the managed yes. to put it down. Put mm. it down. Mm. Oh my God, that's brilliant! I hadn't realised that.
1: No, I mean I don't know whether that was the intention. Oh, but well, I'm it, sure it, it was. You know, yeah, matches matches being what they are. <laughs> don't play with them, boys and girls. No. Um, and don't build no. Alexandra Palace out of them. Not if you want it to survive again. No, no. no. T- a tiny little David Tennant hanging off the top. No. He
0: <laughs> <laughs> had to go there. <laughs>
1: it's
2: closed
3: down. I'm afraid. I know I
0: editor's note in support of martin's ongoing theory of the interconnectedness of all things i feel i must point out that in the idiot's lantern the 10th doctor when he's on top of alexandra palace is fighting no less than jack rosenthal's wife maureen Littman, as the wire i think it's important to mention uh, we won't go through it scene by scene but the very first scene is a black guy sat on the side of a pavement looking very dejected and then we pan across to see this neighborhood which is clearly um depressed Underprivileged inner city London, um, but then it moves into some, I guess, more of an uplifting cultural aspect, which is at this club on this estate where there's a band practicing and yes, yeah. But it's 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 very much black culture, mm. reggae music at the start and yes, it's it's not just showing you it as as this is a negative life. It's showing that there's there's a good there's a very good size to it as well, and there's people that are happy and hmm. and I think. It's interesting because in the 80s there's an awful lot of bleak inner city black culture London that you, you got and it was yes. really hard to I don't know to process that if that wasn't something you understood. It wasn't my world and yet it was constantly on the TV screen. I don't know how you felt about that. Yes.
1: Well uh, yes it's, it, it is it, 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 to get a positive role uh, model from, from that era is, is, is not easy. Um, the fascinating thing to me, of course, is that, uh, our, our character who does seem to have picked up the unfortunate nickname Ethnic, um, played by Gary McDonald, uh, is actually quite ashamed that he has a job. Yes. Uh, it doesn't sit well with, with the, um, the, the flats, well, the block of flats he lives in, which is known as Babylon. Yeah. And it seems to basically uh, the whole culture there is all about. um, Well, it's the drug culture. There's the but the unemployment culture. uh, It's dereliction. It's it's hopeless in many ways. It's a very hopeless um, society within which, of course, people have their hope. But people, it's there's there's this strange and peculiar thing in certain parts of society where if people try and better themselves. They're seen as uh, almost traitors yeah. to to the society. They, you know, that you think you think you're better than us. Mm-hmm. You think you're, and so people do their best not to rise above that, which of course then repeats the problem. I had a friend many years ago who um, was a school teacher who who you know has, uh, had a promising student who he was hoping would go to college, but basically she she had a grandmother who was like 36 and and indeed went the same way, with having children, yeah. children having children. Yeah. And he, it, despite the fact that he did everything he could to try and give her an alternative, the same things came round, same aspects yeah, of family sure. life came round yeah. and everything like that. And I think to a certain extent, there is this underlying sense that you are trapped within the culture that you you grow up in, unless you completely escape. I mean, we, we talked... Um, uh, about you know with, with, about uh, like a lot of people's sport, sport was their way out. Yeah. Because funnily enough, at the weekend we watched uh, the I, Tonya, You know. Oh yeah, brilliant film. film. Yeah, Tonya yeah, Harding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but that's the same kind of thing. Her her escape was through the ice skating. Yeah. But everything in her society, her culture, basically, was designed to sort of stymie that. Yeah. You know, and and, and drag her back down with the rest of them. Yeah, and I think to a certain extent this is the same kind of thing that's happening in 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 this the the arc that ethnic has throughout this film. Um, so it, 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 it's it's kind of difficult. Also, it's fascinating to me that he, he uh, this is still the era of stop and search. Yes, and I mean, that's one of the first things that happens
0: is stop and search. And I'm like, oh my god.
1: Yeah, and we are introduced <laughs> into these very 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 very. Very racist London policemen, yeah, uh, patrol officers. Yeah. Uh, again, um, you know, I don't imagine that all police officers at the time were like this. I imagine that if that was your beat, you might have a different view of how the world is. Yeah, perhaps, but it doesn't excuse what was going on. Yeah. I mean, and it was all, it was interesting that they were really, really, really um abusive to him until they found out he actually worked for the fire department at ben. okay may- maybe you think well maybe in terms of the plot they should have already known that from previous times they've done this i don't know but i think you have to show that to see quite what the culture is yeah. because they, basically yeah. throughout the show you see you know people being abused and stopped and searched for you know the musicians you know, people who are innocently going about their daily lives and <sighs> under the current circumstances and you know as as we both are we, you know we are, we are not from that culture so it's difficult for us to to remark upon it yeah. but it's uh, it is terrifying that people have to live their lives under that threat constantly All the time. and yeah. it's so wrong and it was 35 years ago and it's still happening yeah
0: inari sambo
4: my name ain't Sambo. Like, yours ain't Honky.
3: You calling me Honky? No. That's what I wasn't calling you. What's in the bag, then? Heroin? Ganja? Clothes for work. What work's that, then? Sambo.
0: Sorry about that, mate. Just doing a job. I think, you know, when there's that time when like it was like early 90s, late 80s, where political correctness came in and was like joked about, oh, it's not politically correct and all that sort of stuff. And I think yes. from that point on, they started to went, go on the down low, this racism. Yes. But it actually never went away, is my theory. It never actually went away. It was endemic. And it's just it wasn't you weren't allowed to say these things. You were told off for saying these things, which is quite right. But the root cause, the root problem which is seeing people as different and thinking they're less than you was still was still existent and has mm. come through more openly and blatantly than it ever could have done through through mm. Brexit, which I don't yeah. care what anyone says about it. That was about race
1: and about racism. Yeah. The the um, the other problem is, like to say, because because it, it to a certain extent people uh, may maybe might argue that this we thought this had gone away but it never goes away no. but the problem is it's it's been enabled again in, in recent yeah, times exactly the uh the the trigger point for this story was the broadwater farm riots of 1985 uh which is uh if you if you remember or you know the story this was the um this was the uh riot in which uh, keith blakelock was killed mm mm-hmm. So it's uh, it still resonates to this day. Uh, obviously, a policeman being killed uh, in the in the uh, in, in in during the, these events uh, is one of those things that possibly uh, switches it away from what the the riots were about. Exactly, but yeah. but but the 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 thing that that obviously struck a chord with um, with Jack Rosenthal was that they also attacked the the firemen uh, fire. Uh, fire officers, fire people yeah. who were there uh, trying to put out the fires that had been lit um, uh, and and that, you know, they, again there's an interesting thing, is there's, there's, when people attack ambulances, when people attack fire engines, you kind of can't really grasp, you know, those are the people who are there trying to help it's just unconscionable you, you isn't have, it it's just it, yeah. it it feels you know why why does this happen but sometimes you really people just want to burn the whole house down and yeah know. yeah
0: it's completely shocking yeah
1: so um we should get
0: back to the plot shall we i think we better yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um it starts off quite quite slowly in the sense because you're gradually building up the characters in a way that's you know, it's very well done, I think, of getting to know each of them in turn and finding out they've got home lives, but they're also firemen, um, mm. and you get to know a bit about them as people, but the problem is that they're all, virtually all, toxic men, as we describe them today. Yeah.
1: They're not, they're not actually, they don't come across as particularly nice people, which of course, yeah. again, sort of... It's, it's counterintuitive when when people go on about the nobility of the fire service, or or they feel that people do these jobs because of you know um, yeah, there's some sense of duty or something. But actually, when they sit around the table having their their banter, they are they are bored bored men being horrible to each being other, Tremendously racist and sexist. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and Which, there's no- again, there's probably quite you know quite an accurate portrayal of what that kind of culture you know is i mean you know blokes sitting around in a room can be it's interesting to me whenever people go on television now to apologize and people go oh, isn't it awful and it's dreadful and then you think but i've heard worse in the pub <laughs> yes, exactly. i've heard worse in offices yeah, exactly. and nobody ever picks people up you know because yeah. he's their mate yeah let say you know their neighbor says something over the fence they don't think oh i'll well, You know, I'll bring him up on that. You think easy life? You just let it go. And of course, this is the way these casual sexism, racism Mm -hmm. things slide in into the wider world without being questioned.
0: Um, And one character who is distinctly unlikable is his nickname is Vaseline. Yes. And there's a uh, there's a gratuitous chess shot of him at the start, and it made me think, oh, is this? Is this what I thought it was? Because I thought London's Burning was always for the ladies, as it were. <laughs> and and I I, But that was the only moment in this that felt like it was for that. But it was yes. just to set up his um, his f- sexual frisson with the glorious Hetty Baines. Gotta mention Hetty Baines, <laughs> who um, has a wonderful turn in Secret Army as Yvonne, the naughty, hmm. the naughty. Um, what she, I was gonna say, naughty maid. <laughs> that makes that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> she. <laughs> She's the, the waitress, <laughs> the, the sex crave waitress in um, Army. Um, <laughs> but um, wife of Ken Russell. <coughs> ah, well, <laughs> Are you made a, you made a noise like that. That followed
1: that. No, I, it, I, I, I just I, 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 with Ken's movies, you do kind of wonder how, how. Yeah, no, never mind. Let's not go there.
0: No, but um, yeah, it's. It's very hard not to find James Hazeldean's character, Bailey immediately likable. There's something about him you feel, even though he's still kind of joining in a bit and he's kind of saying, oh, come on, watch it, lads, a bit. He is very much mm. part of it, but he, you feel he's got an inner warmth or calm or sense of what is right that is... He's got more of a barometer than the rest of them. Okra?
3: Yams.
4: Do you want to talk about her? No. That's a good sign.
3: Sweet potatoes. Big leaves.
4: Did you tell the lads? Yeah. what they say?
3: Nothing.
2: They were watching Dynasty. All they did was turn the sound up. What's your old man like?
4: So not talk about him either. That's probably a bad sign.
1: Yes, but he's slightly more mature as well. He's been through a lot more. I mean, the, uh, the, I mean, when when you find out his backstory about basically his wife's left him, you know, he never sees his child and stuff like that. Um, The 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 interesting thing about him is he is in many ways the moral core of of the whole group because he's the one for example when we find out that charisma is well we, we work out very quickly he's a bit of a bullshitter <laughs> yes. but but um the fact is that he protects him that was of the most so beautiful he, he, moments in the whole thing yeah. yeah 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 he protects him from the other guys finding out you know the the truth of his very bland mundane horrible real life outside yeah. the fire station. And for a lot of people, you could argue that the main purpose of their, you know, that the, their job is their life and everything else is just a disappointment in many ways, you know. Mm. But um, <clears throat> he also, um, if I remember rightly, he is also very honest about the fact he couldn't tell these guys about the problems in his life because they would just take the piss mercilessly. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and they would on
0: the basis of what we see. I mean, everything is up for grabs and it's just, yeah. Um, so then, Josie arrives to um, a sexy fanfare. Um, yeah.
1: Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> and what?
0: wow. What? But I don't I think that one of the few things that I didn't think worked or I didn't believe, and most of it I did mm. believe, because um, it was mm. deeply realistic and, you know, um, was the fact that Josie arrives and... She's so much of a pushover to begin with mm. and she doesn't fight a corner and she, it's a few days in before she has her big speech at bedtime saying...
4: OK, here we go. One, I'm not a dyke. Two, I'm not a women's libber. Three, I'm not a nymphomaniac. Four, I'm not an alien from outer space. I'm in the job because I like it. Not clever enough to be a nurse or a secretary. But two days and two nights a week, I'm bloody good at fighting fires. Rest of the time, I do the stuff other women do. Been married for five months. I've been in the brigade just over a year. I've been to hundreds of shouts. So you can all behave exactly as normal, either on shouts or in the station or in your pits. There's only one difference between you and me. That's what you're no doubt holding in your hands under your blankets. So that's only a little difference, is it? And sod all to do with putting out fires, unless you piss on them. Good night
0: it's it's weird that she doesn't realise that she's going to have to do that straight away and yeah. she kind of waits a few days I know there's dramatic narrative reasons probably yeah. why but it's just it's a bit annoying seeing her going on one of the first call outs and she she is really Gets quite ignored. pathetic yeah. at that and she doesn't grab yeah. anything to do anything and she doesn't yeah. get involved and I'm like well come on love you must know how you have to be roister doister with them otherwise it, you're going to be shat on
1: well, it seems that she's been at several other fire yeah. stations, which kind kind of implies that this has happened a lot. Um, but she's obviously, you know, she is a, a, a professional firefighter and basically has, you know, has experience, but he's been treated like a complete novice. But then again, I suppose any community, you might argue, you, you rely on the people you know, the new person has to prove themselves, whatever. But the fascinating thing to me about that setup is, of course, there was not, there's nothing about, you know, there's no problem with the fact that you are mixed accommodation i mean basically these guys two days a week have to sleep at the fire station yeah uh this is part of what you have to do i mean i I know i could never have worked as a fire person because i can't sleep if i know an alarm's going to go off right (laughs) and if and if there was a chance an alarm was going to go off any time at all i remember the fire drills when i was a student and we all sort of knew they were going to happen so nobody would go to bed right (laughs) <laughs> because nobody wanted to be the one going oh god the bell's going off yeah. got and everything yeah. like that. everyone just knew and because because nobody can sleep if they know it's going to happen yeah, yeah. uh you know unless jacob what's it tells us all we, we should ignore what the government are telling them <laughs> the officials are telling them. uh let's not go there. Yeah. no <laughs> but it is but, it, it um, is odd
0: that there's no provision for her to have a separate room and no. it's it's i, I mean, is it a dangerous situation it feels
1: like it's it's uncomfortable on mm. both sides, you know. Mm. Uh, Although on the plus side, they don't they don't start getting her to make the cups of tea and what have you. No. I mean, again, James Hazeldean's character, uh, Bayleaf, is very much, it's my kitchen. The kitchen is his world. And, and there's a lot of stuff about keep out of my kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> yes.
0: Exactly. You know,
1: uh, I mean, at some point she does actually offer to help because they've forgotten, they're doing all the preparation for a special meal. mm mm-hmm. And they've forgotten to make tonight's tea. Yeah, And <laughs> the point it, that, is that's
0: it, his domain. That's that's he's got control yes. over, isn't it? Which Precisely, he doesn't yes. in the rest of his life.
1: Yeah, that's right. So. Hmm. So we, the um yeah. the interesting thing from the going back to the biography. Um, is that it says here. This double life of extremes, tragedy and farce, heroism and silliness breeds more opposites, a compassion for the victims of fires and none at all for each other. A firefighter, wolfing his statutory and beloved cheese and onion roll, wouldn't dream of saying he had a headache or couldn't afford his mortgage or his wife had left him. At best, he'd get half a dozen Coke cans hurled straight at his headache and he'd be told to go and live in a tent and his mates would ask for his wife's new phone number. Wow. So again, that's part of the thinking, you know. Yeah. But that
0: that right there is toxic masculinity, isn't it? It's this idea that men can't oh. have feelings, they can't share, they can't cry, they can't. And that well, unless it's football, yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly, but it's it's just really um, depressing, in many ways. And and of course, he he reveals to Josie the first time that he can. He feels he yes. reveals to her that you know.
3: Hmm.
0: But yeah, about his past. So, I think the big set piece before the final riots is the big fire in which there is um, a, a death the death, baby in a yes. cot which is really quite horrific mm. and um, and actually, actually it made me realise I think I'd seen this <laughs> right <laughs> because I, I recalled the scene and how Bailey shouts at the woman as she comes back from the disco you know what, what have you done and you just can't can't mm. countenance what's happened and her mm. lack of um it's possibly the clip they show. Maybe that's why, because they show yeah. that clip. But I've definitely, I've definitely yeah. seen it before, yeah. um, and maybe even it had been used in um, a fire safety thing or something. You know, it's possible. She was at a disco.
2: <laughs>
3: and a bad baby. Bad. You went to a bleeding disco. Three kids on their own? Well, there's only two of them now, isn't there? There's a bugger but complete life. That are little like a lump of melted cheese. Only once a four night. That's all. Nothing ever happened before. Nothing ever happened before.
2: Dancing. She went dancing.
3: Oh, my God! My God! M2FS from Bravo
2: 251 from station officer Tate, stop.
1: For 51 Fitz Allen Street, SE 11. House, three floors,
2: five meters by 10 meters, 50% of all floors damaged by fire.
1: Two children rescued from first floor bedroom Via internal staircase, shocked and suffering from smoke inhalation. One child found in first-floor lounge, apparently dead. It's a, it's a dramatic touchstone that whenever you can say it's kids, yeah. you know that will that will really get people sort of engaged. But also, this this is the one point in the plot where you actually see Bayleaf lose it, and he is absolutely and right righteously furious yeah, yeah. Uh, with the mother yeah who, obviously the suffering mother who's lost one of her three children uh etc uh, etc et yeah. uh, so you could but but yeah absolutely and utterly furious with her and uh, like I say rightly so um also this uh gives us a, a, a slight window in, uh, into his post-traumatic um, stress disorders and, and how they all cope with the grief in their own Different way, I think, mm. you know. But it's, uh, you know, that that is an important sort of sort of <coughs> postscript to the to that sort of big dramatic scene. And of course, the, 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 the th- thing that fascinates me again about uh, about uh, London's burning is that the the fires are very, very realistically done. Oh, yes, I was quite surprised this, how well they were done. The heat and the sweat. Appa- apparently in later seasons it all went a bit CGI and, and one of the reasons the ratings started to tumble was that the effects, you know, oh, okay. were being done cheaply. But, um, you know, not that anybody ever noticed the effects, of course, ha-ha. <laughs> but these things, to stage these things, I mean, this is a proper piece of dramatic set-piece staging, you know, and, and would have been lots and lots of effects technicians, lots of stuntmen and everything like that. And But he's incredibly convincing. This is really what I want to say, you know I mean? Yeah. it, it it's, a, it's a very, very, you know, warts and all portrayal of what a fire. I mean, you get the, the blowback, you know. Uh, I can't remember, when was the the Kurt Russell film? Was it Kurt Russell? Oh, yeah. I know Not Kurt, Kurt Russell. Not Kurt Russell. Is it Kurt Russell? I anyway, there was a, so, so. a backdraft. Back I think was, that, was, that was Kurt Russell, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't. I don't it is, know. It I know the film you mean, and I and I don't know whether you know how how they sort of sort of match up in terms of the timeline. But it, it that that thing that people became more aware of, of you know, because of uh, things like Horizon and what have you. A fire wasn't just somebody coming in and putting out a bonfire. It was, it was you know when when you open a door and all that rush of heat and fear and you know and the reason that firefighters get engulfed and surrounded despite everything they know is because these things are so out of control and so terrifying that no you know nobody really knows this. All bets are off in these situations. You just literally have to hope for the best. They know what they're doing, but they can open a door and it could be the end. You know. I mean, I wonder how how good fire safety
0: um, demos and talks are today because I know that when I was a kid I was terrified of getting burnt to death because mm. I think it was something that was very much on the agenda of something like I should be very aware of yes. um, and I don't know when smoke alarms came in as a as a right but um that was something that was huge. Was that in the 80s? Was it as late as that, or was it earlier?
1: Again, I imagine it's one of those... I mean, I'm not saying that drama necessarily automatically sort of changes the way things are done, but uh, sometimes I think awareness comes. I mean, because you get... I mean, we used to get those horrific uh, public information stroke advert things, you know, where, and, and you used to get... another thing about the chair... You know, and someone set fire to the chair and, and how it went up in the room oh, that was yeah. something that was on television a lot. And then caught so the curtains I think, and everything, yeah. <laughs> I think it just becomes, sometimes it just becomes the government thing of the time.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, that some, just someone points out the statistics and says we can do something. Yeah. And, and back in those days, the government actually might listen to that kind of thing. And... Um, so it, it becomes more publicly aware, but sometimes it, it takes a documentary. Sometimes it takes a drama series, like, like uh, *London's Burning*, to make people think about yeah. this stuff.
0: You know. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Please keep matches away from children. Things
1: change slowly, but I think sometimes if it's what people are talking about in a high profile drama like this, you know, people will think about it, you know. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't help but think of Grenfell, just the fact of them getting those three kids out in that one fire. Yes. And just how distressing and horrendous that was. And just imagining on the scale of Grenfell was
1: just almost beyond belief. And again, probably, uh, unfortunately, proves the point we were making earlier that this was 35 years ago. Grenfell was now three years now, yeah. and you know, again, in in the the kinds of in the kinds of buildings we expect our poorest sectors of community to live in, mm-hmm. or we don't necessarily expect it, but that's where they they yeah. end up for various reasons. the The dangers are just the same as they were 35 years ago, yeah. and longer you know yeah. these things you know it's all very well for us you know you know you know, to have our smoke alarms and this and that and the other you know but for a lot of people that's not an option to them yeah. you know. the fact that you have to buy a cheap fridge you know mm-hmm. and uh and so so yes um mm. sorry i'm getting going off on the politics again no, but no, no. um you know yeah. these things you know they change but they don't and maybe sometimes the other thing we talk quite a lot these days about common sense or the, the common sense of the the, the general public. Oh, an excuse, yeah but, yeah. but the fascinating thing to me is that the reason they stopped you doing public information films, because they seemed to think there was no need for them, people were much more sensible than that, and yet you still find people doing the things we were told not to do in those public information films. Yes. Because, you know... See, I always think, when I'm driving along sort of dark country lanes and people are wearing black from head to toe, they don't actually seem to understand that they can't be seen. yes. And they may get yeah. killed. Now, I remember that, yeah. and I remember that chap waving his newspaper or wearing a, or wearing a white headscarf or whatever it was. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, yeah. But but I remember yeah. that film vividly, and it would never. You know, and it just seems that the common sense that these films were displaying maybe came because we actually had those things to remind us yeah. every so often that do, actually, that's a bit dim i mean do today's kids know not to fly
0: a kite near a power line for instance <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> well they could watch gbh for that <laughs> oh god let's not go about there <laughs> um you had to do it um, i know i'm sorry so just to say about jack rosenthal on the general public i think he's he's incredibly Negative about the general Joe Public in this, isn't he? There's a few scenes where the Public get to say a few things, including oh yes, including Brenda Cowling, which is quite funny. Yes, in which they kind of one of them was saying like, "Oh, we spotted the fire first. Do we get a reward?" No
2: oh. <laughs> it's just like, "Oh yeah. my god!"
1: Yeah, he has the, no the stand around. Yeah, he has no time for idiots.
0: these for these people, does yes. he? He's really it's not a good impression, but he's certainly not no, saying yeah. there's any common sense. <laughs>
3: Well back,
2: Excuse me, room? son, it was us that smelled the burning. We reported it. Well, our oh, Gordon, 999 nine, nine, bingo. He always gets the right number when yeah, he dies. Can you
4: move back, please? It can be very dangerous. Gordon, it's Sheila's eldest. Yeah, yeah you as well,
2: madam. Well back, he well back. He was dying his hair, and I suddenly sniffed and went, hello, can you smell burning? Yeah, I did as well, didn't I? Oh. Can you smell burning straight off? Do we claim a reward or anything for that? Like I told that? you, keep well back. If you want to be dismembered, stay right here. <laughs> Don't move. Come on, now.
0: Yes. Um it also just put me in mind there's the scene where the firemen are pushing the people back because they're, they're crowding to get towards the fire the house so they can yes. see the horror of it and get all excited mm. as ghouls you know as people do Robin or, Robin Akers, yes. that's the yes and when we used to have fire drills at work we had this big mm. i was at the business school at the university and we had this big huge building with hundreds of windows at the front and mm. my team knew that if they were not right back against the far wall next to grass, then I was going mm. to have a go at them. All the other teams mm-hmm. would just be standing idly around in front of the building, and I'd be like, no, we go right to the back. That is the, Under my mm. watch, that's what we'll do. And I, I, I took my fire warden role quite seriously, I think. But it was, and I don't know why, but it used to just irritate me so much that this just because it was just, I, I just had this imagination to think of the exploding windows if it was something real, you know. It's like, no, right. we'll stand back here. But well, no one else is. I don't care what mm. everyone else is doing. I would say, mm.
1: I was just right back at well, that. Was Raoul, ultimately, in the end, you know, it, it, it's the same really with, with the whole, um, with the coronavirus thing, you know, in the end, you can only control what you do. And if that means you stay away from people, that's what you do. Because yeah. if other people are going to go and mingle and go and sort of nip down to each other's house and have barbecues or whatever, you just don't involve yourself with it. Yeah. That's the only yeah, thing on you can it. do. You can yeah. you can control your own safety, you know, and therefore you could control the safety of your team. Yeah. But if everybody else wanted to be an idiot, well, you know, there's, this is always the thing when people go on about compensation. The The thing that fascinates me is that, well, you know, you have to allow for the fact that some people are just idiots, mm. and they, and they might afterwards think, you know, mm, oh, maybe I can make some money out of this. But in the, in the first instance, some people will not do what they're told. No, you
0: know. I mean, that, uh, going back to the the fire the fire drills at work, mm. the rule was that in a fire you go out your nearest available exit, including the fire mm. doors, and people just would not open the fire doors. So <laughs> I, and they would all pile. They would all go to the main entrance. All like giant masses of people going towards this main entrance that took ages to get yeah. through because people didn't open the fire doors. So I'd yeah. make it my personal thing, mission, to open all the fire doors near me to make sure people went out yeah. that way. And it, and I was like, this is ridiculous. Why are people so stupid?
1: We were we were talking yesterday, uh, oddly enough, about the beaches being full. Yeah, you know, and and uh, I mean, uh, we saw those uh, things about the helicopters on the beach and all the people being pushed together because there were so many people on the beach and there was nowhere else for them to go. But I was actually saying, you know, the problem really is how do you close a beach? Because somebody's always going to say, oh, the beach is down there, and they'll find another way down, yeah. even if there's only one path. Yeah. The, the, and, the, and you can't sort of put great big steel shutters. You can say, put a please don't go on the beach closed sign. Yeah. <laughs> but people will ignore it. Yeah. Because, and, and again, this is what happens in. in in fire drills generally you know you've got someone whose job is, is to go and clear the building and, and, and they'll find people just sitting at their desk going, <laughs> yes. oh it's just a drill I've got this to yeah, do exactly it's that like when I'm running courses as well in other countries
0: and if there's a fire drill or well mm. there's a fire alarm you don't know if it's a drill or not and I say right come on mm. everyone out and I'm always immediately, mm. uh, there's no pause because oh. uh, cause I was a fire warden and people are like oh mm. but it probably isn't we don't know I always say we don't know mm. move now you know it's, it's funny yes. that's uh, uh. Anyway, this is a bit yeah. of a side. What change. do you need?
1: Do you, you, uh, well, this is again. You know, you, you now need two sorts, of, two sources of proof before you will actually. The fire bell needs to go off, but you also need to have your legs on fire. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like, it might be. Maybe you'll believe it. I mean, it is nonsense. You know, it is yeah. nonsense. But this, again, you know, this is part and parcel. I am sure somewhere in the 172 episodes they address. That.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm sure they will. Although I'm, I'm
1: intrigued to see how, I'm not intrigued enough to
0: watch it, but I'm intrigued to know no. how it went, and I imagine it just got a lot more soapy, and certainly I remember a lot of TV Times covers with Hunky firemen on them, that it was very much, oh look at who who's the new hunky member of Blue Watch now, sort well, of thing. So yes, I think well, it was kind yeah. of, it went down a different route from where Rosenfall started yeah. out.
1: That, that is sort of briefly touched on, isn't it, when someone claims to be a fireman or something, and then... And... And people you know it's, it's there's like this arch moment with with the crowd but uh mm. um do you want to talk about some of the other things that we see surrounding this story i mean yeah, there's the um there's the shouty ex wife at the wedding
0: <laughs> played by mary jo Randall who um mm-hmm. I don't know what she's in after but I know her best from Victoria wood where she st- stood next to Victoria wood at the bus stop and she says she didn't
1: you did you didn't you did yeah. that person yeah. um yes. Uh, so, 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 uh, basically, it turns out that Jerome is a bit of a one.
0: Not Jerome. Uh, no, it's we, um, it, it's, not Jerome. It's Vaseline.
1: Yes, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um,
0: Whose real name uh, we discover he's... is Roland. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Which> is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. We also get a peculiar, a peculiarly uh, blatant bath scene uh, between Josie and her husband. Oh, I didn't mind that. No, just, just but, but, but peculiarly because it was sudden nudity. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, which which, which always, always strikes me that it's it's kind of inevitable uh, uh, in these things. Um, we've also got to discuss. The, I suppose the, the point being
0: that you saw her bits and you don't see his bits. Yeah.
1: Yes, but also um, you know when you when you <laughs> when she then has to comment to and of course her bonding moment comes with the cock ring, sorry, the curtain ring. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll now have a,
1: a brief pause
2: <laughs> and James Saxon <laughs>
1: Oh, my
3: God, that's so funny.
0: <laughs> now, the question is, does that stay in or not? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking about the curtain ring. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or what stays in it. Yeah. No. Oh, <gasps> funny. So, anyway, uh, uh, one of the call-outs is where James Saxon opens the door. <laughs> Yes, uh, and has called the fire brigade because <laughs> he's got what stuck on him Martin? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I believe it's a I believe I believe it's a curtain. A curtain ring curtain that he's been uh, that he's been uh, experimenting with. It fell off the curtain. Yeah. though, didn't it? It fell off the curtain. It, it uh, fell right off the curtain straight on. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine these are the, the it, I, I This is just probably one of those tales that, uh, like uh, people who work in A uh, and E wards. Yeah, it's about, <laughs> share about with cucumbers people.
0: and stuff. Yeah.
1: Yes, and, and what have you? So, so that that's a little aside that we we get with the dear old Oscar, Oscar, Boccherby.
0: Oscar Boccherby and his and his curtain ring. <laughs> curtain ring. I'll never be able to watch the two Doctors again now.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Yes.
1: Uh. Moving on. And and you thought you thought he just put um, needles through butterflies? Exactly.
0: That's all I thought was going on. It's wrong. (laughs) Um, Another scene which I think is worthy of note is when they're trying to come up with a nickname for Josie. Yes. At the the back at the station because they realise you know. Well, we've got to have a nickname for her. you can't just be, you know, Hi. and
1: can't just be Josie. Yeah. So I'll I'll play that. <laughs> Not when it, when you've got ethnic vaseline <laughs> bay leaf. was it? Ta-hal, no sick note. Yeah. Sick yeah. note. What was your name? Charisma from, and, Jerome, Jerome and Rambo. Finn was Rambo. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I'll play that scene in now.
3: Cell sister. Mother superior. Kicker.
4: Kicker?
3: As in, I wouldn't kick her out of bed. <laughs> nice.
4: So far, I'm a sister, and nun, and a tart.
3: Afro. Not me. As in aphrodisiac. Janet Rager.
4: Janet Rager?
3: They make knickers. It's a knicker name. Compre, nickname, nickelame. <laughs> <laughs> and was it? As in she was only a fireman's
1: daughter. She liked the slippery pole.
4: <laughs> a sister, a daughter, a nun, a tart, a Spanish fly, and a pair of knickers.
3: Tells us a lot about you, Daniel. <laughs>
4: uh no.
0: Not about me, (laughs) Les. Yeah, and that's just brilliant writing by Rosenthal that he he kind of, it's kind of, I think in a regular, I'm imagining in a regular episode of London's Burning not written by Jack Rosenthal, that would just be the joke and you wouldn't get the Hmm. dramatic punchline which is meant to make the the viewer think and think, oh, actually, yeah, this is a judgment on them. So, and that's what someone of his calibre will bring to it that I think you wouldn't get. In you know regular serial drama.
1: No, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There are there are two other <coughs> story threads that I'd like to touch yeah. on. One is her husband and his visit to the the other wives. I I loved that scene because it yes. was
0: so awful. It was
1: so <laughs>
2: uncomfortable.
1: Yes, he's basically it he turns up on the doorstep, and all, all the wives of the fire uh, fighters or partners meet up once a month to have a bit of a coffee morning or whatever and it's it, it sh- uh, Josie has jokingly suggested that he should he should go and see the other wives as it were yeah and uh, so he knocks on the door and goes i've come for the orgy <laughs> <Yes. clears throat> and, uh, and and they of course go well this is awkward and um but basically a lot of a lot of what he does seems to be there to, to throw a spanner in the works of their, totally. their so, cosy So he knows that they can't room.
0: talk about the things they'd ordinarily talk about, which is about all the men. Yes. yeah, <clears throat> And possibly what also they get up to when the men aren't there. Possibly. Indeed. But one of them certainly looks very interested in um, getting it on with him. Absolutely. Well, this
1: is, again, the suggestion is that these things, uh, you know, when they're away two nights a week, yeah. you know, what, what 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 to the why? Of course, that must be a, an ongoing worry for for all the characters.
3: Yeah, so, yeah. yeah.
0: but I did think Eric Deacon was marvellous in that scene. I think he's an underrated. Actor. Yeah, it? he was so Plays good. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Tea.
2: Ah. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> you have these a lot, do you? Oh,
3: a couple of times a year. It's my husband's idea, really. Little social gathering.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the wife said I should come for a laugh.
3: I mean, she said it for a laugh. Not funny, though, is it? Well, you can't stand the sight of each other. Sorry? Rumor has it. (laughs) Why should you, though? I mean, just because you're firemen's wives doesn't mean you have to have anything else in common, does it? Apart from wondering what they're up to half the time. Uh, Not to when they're sleeping out two nights a week. The way I see it, though, is if they have two nights away from you, how do they know what you're up to?
1: I'd, I'd, I'd just like to briefly touch on uh, the charisma snooker storyline, which is basically uh, he thinks he's a bit of a wheeler dealer, or he likes to give the impression he's a bit of a wheeler dealer. He's a he's a bigwig at the snooker club, and he's got contacts. Yeah, there's a be- there's a beautiful scene where he goes to the <clears throat> the same supermarket that uh, Bayleaf buys the bacon for their yeah. bacon baps or their breakfasts from, and Buys a load of it, so it, it, and <laughs> basically wants her to peel off all the. Labels. I think I've been behind him in a queue. <laughs> yes. um. Peel off all the labels so that he thinks he's got it wholesale, and he actually basically spends a great deal of money twenty five quid or something, which is prete- so much. To though. pretend yeah. he hasn't, yeah, just so he'll he'll be long, he'll feel useful and needed, yeah. and he also has this strange life where he he, he thinks he's a a really sharp snooker player but down at the club he's just the bloke who marks up the scores yeah. and a uh, Josie and her husband go to see him play in the match or there's a big match on yeah. and uh, and Bailey basically comes to his rescue and says you mustn't tell anybody yes you know Which and is again beautiful. the the, yeah. the pathetic tragedy of his character is that you know his his internal you know I, I want to be accepted belong uh his need to be accepted is uh is all but built around this built around this lie yes. this complete lie that his life is actually pretty pathetic yes. outside the <clears throat> the fire station and of course then it's his character that leads to the tragedy at the end of the um the piece yeah so we should we should go into that so I should briefly, I should go back to the book for this. Oh, okay, good. There's a little little section in this. Um, If I can, here we go. Uh, Over the years, Les told me his stories, and then in October 1985, the Broadwater Farm riot down the road in Tottenham became their dramatic framework, the fictional centre that could make the fact all the more true. That centre is Ethnic, a character who is, as many are, both black and a firefighter, who feels loyalty both to his ghetto community and to his fire station community, and who becomes the pivot of extremes and colliding opposites. That's why Ethnic was born, and why, at the end of the film, he dies. So that's the quote from the
0: the autobiography. Yeah, so... Um, Riots. Uh, obviously, spoiler alert. I apologise. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you have to say it, and it's important to talk about it. So the riot starts on the estate, and it's important to mention that it's not just started by people of colour as well. No, it's, it's gangs of gangs of it was youths who are have yes. nothing better to do.
1: but you've seen escalating trouble on the estate yeah. uh, over the course of the of the film yeah. and doors getting kicked in and yeah. and, uh, and fire. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Petrol being put through letterboxes yeah. and all this kind yeah. of thing. Uh, and again, the tensions. Uh, th- there seems to be some sort of manipulator in prison who controls the drug supply. Yeah. And there's a theory that some, some people are storing drug. Uh, drugs are being transported by various means. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this basically, because of the police as well and, and the tension, this all kicks off and, and there is this riot. Now, uh, ethnic isn't on duty. At the time, this all kicks off. He is is one of the people watching the world around him burn as he leans on a rail overlooking the scene. And he gets, gets, like a lot of people, probably wants to just hope it goes away. But then he realises that Blue Watch have been called... To the scene of the of where yeah. all this rioting is going on, and he starts to see his mates are in trouble, and he leaps in to go to the rescue as one of them is being absolutely battered, beaten up, yeah, and and is seen as a traitor by you know because he goes to hey, because these people don't know he's a fireman. Mm-hmm. This is one of the strange um, yeah. tensions in his life. He hasn't let on that he has a proper you know a, a respectable job, you know and uh, ultimately uh someone drops a paving stone on his head and kills him yeah uh, and this is on the day day after he's been promoted No, a few days after he's been promoted yeah. and he's about to leave uh the fire station and they're going to have they are they've all been preparing this farewell meal for yeah. him um uh, and of course that well uh, is it becomes a very different meal after the funeral yeah. anyway
2: cripter i'm going to get that boss I are you ready get in there boy try
0: so it's 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 a strong message but it's it's also i don't
1: know i was i was conflicted because can I share another yeah. another nugget from the book for you? Um, throughout the filming, it seemed that Les Blair and I could be the, well be a perfect match, both from similar Manchester backgrounds. We spoke the same language. I thought he was directing beautifully, and I really believed I'd found the director for all my future work. Until that is, here we go again. Interior Editing Room, London Day. As un- t- until as usual we were in editing and I, as usual, gave notes and the director as usual went berserk because the writer had the effrontery to voice his comments. Ah. Les Blair, nobody tells me how to edit a comedy sequence, exclamation mark, Jack, even if you're wrong. Ooh. Jack, voiceover. Um, on Patang Yang Kipperbang, its big time director Mike Apted, a very big time producer David Putnam, had paid Jack to sit in an editing Sit in editing and shoot his mouth off. However, the otherwise excellent producer of London's Burning and friend of Jack's, Paul Knight, has a different idea: to ban Jack from the uh, editing room. Uh-huh. Later, not quite too late, the executive producer Linda Agron, Jack's great ally, bans Paul from banning. <laughs> then it was my turn to go. <laughs> then it was my turn to go berserk when Les let slip that he'd never shot what to me was one of the most crucial scenes in the film, and maybe its whole raison d'être. Ethnic's character gave me a chance to try and explore the deprivation and bitterness of ghetto life and to show how they flare into petty street violence and that violence into cold-blooded, hot-blooded, meaningless murder. To try and understand from both points of view and to offer the viewers of London's burning, if not an understanding, then at least the fact that there's something we have to understand and do something about or live or die to regret it. And then, basically, he includes the missing scene. And the missing scene is... Uh, in the flat after the fire Um, and in many ways it's a scene that seems very familiar to me it it involves you know the the thing about if you throw all the rats into a hole one rat will come out and they'll eat each other and it's very much based on that um, that kind of thinking so um, it's it's a quite he thinks it, it was the quite crucial scene which basically you know I don't want to do it because a lot of it's written in, um, in in ghetto language. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but basically, um, you stick a bunch of rats in a cage, good rats, bad rats, they've got nothing to eat. What's going to happen? They go they go crazy, they eat each other. Them that ain't so crazy get their flesh chewed off first, white rats, black rats, all the same.
0: Yeah.
1: And that was basically his what he thought was the most important scene in the piece and they never actually shot wow. it. Wow.
0: But, yeah. and I think the key point that Jack Rosenthal was wanting to make, and it's good to hear that, was the meaninglessness of, of murder, mm. of that death. Yes. But that it could stand as a beacon for something to say, look, this can't go on, which is yes. a, exactly the week we're in right now. Yes. Um, back in the start of June. I know people are listening yes. to this in August. Um,
1: <laughs> yes. Which is always a bit well, we're, we're hoping, we're hoping things will have calmed down a bit by August, yeah. but... Uh... But um,
0: yeah, the only concern I had about it was that it was another
1: Black Death, and well, you know, yes. and I mean, again, uh, when when you see it as if you think of it as a one-off drama, that arc, you know, makes sense. Yes, and I think in, he's in term, he's in... given
0: enough of a character; he's given enough roundedness for us to feel like you know we understood that because there's that horrible and for it
1: to be a tragedy. Yeah, there's yes. that
0: trope of yes. having. Black characters killed off early in horror films, for instance, or having yes. this fridging of, of black women dying mm. early in things, so that the, the protagonist mm. can then have a reason to do stuff and all that sort of stuff. Like the, yeah. the problems that were leveled against woman who fell to
1: earth, for instance, with yes. Grace dying. Um, yes. uh, you know, again, I, I think I think yeah. I think it, it does it does it, it, it again as, as a one-off drama. It's it's it. It's showing you also that thing we were talking about earlier about people dragging you back down, you know, from, from within from within any any culture. Yes, you know, people people. It was like, we hate it when our friends become successful. You know, it, it it becomes that thing of who do you think you are? Who do you think? You and again, the the whole the whole death is based on the fact that his his compatriot, his um, uh, the word has just completely escaped me. <laughs> uh peers yeah. his peer group yeah. um basically feel that he is a traitor yeah uh to them uh and basically they punish him in the worst way possible uh and so the nobility and and all the hope and all the progress in his in many ways only comes out when the family are presented with his uniform at, at the um the wake the yeah. funeral the yeah. um you know and, and all, I imagine that the knowledge of who this person was, again, only comes out through the papers or whatever after this horrific incident has happened. Mm. You know, and you could argue that this is one of the things we don't know the people around us. We don't know what they really do. We don't know anything about their real and, you know, the life outside what we know of them. We all, we all stand and we judge and we make assumptions about people. Based purely on what we think, sometimes, yeah, not based on what the, the things that people do and are seen to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could argue it's a bit of a failing, a bit of a conceit within the drama that you know it wasn't better known. You know, you know people would oh, he's, he's the fireman. You know, people would know, but presumably people didn't. Yeah, you know, within the course of the drama the it, it, it's it's m- the opening scene where they sound off uh, to take the register or whatever it is that they do when they go on shift is repeated and he has been replaced by another person of color yeah. uh, in the final sequence and that's where the story you know finishes yeah. so we've got another new guy mm. who's being dealt with yeah,
0: yeah yeah so I felt all in all it was a very satisfying piece of drama If if disturbing, of course, because of when I was watching it and what was else was going on, and it was just like nothing changes. And again, this nihilistic thing I keep coming back (laughs) (laughs) to—like this is not helping me. This this series, because no, no,
1: but it is. Let's find something fluffy. No, I know (laughs) because that's worse
0: in a way because it's just like hiding from it. But it is the kind of inevitability, the pointlessness, the sort of like the real sadness of stuff happening. But um, mm. but I think it's dealt with in quite an intelligent way and he, he's got a des- definite attempt to be realistic in everything he writes, I think, Rosenthal.
1: Yes. There, there is a difficulty... Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, o- I always come up with this thing that, you know, sometimes things are a bit ITV, you know. <laughs> and there, there There is a definite... Uh, I, I'm not sure what that means, uh, but sometimes... I felt I, I I made fewer notes on this than I've made in a lot. I actually did worry that we were going to end up with nothing much to talk about. So we seem to have disproved that. You always in, do in our way. But <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. But I mean, I, again, I thought, well, then we did uh, all creatures, there was just one episode, and there was a big series, and we didn't watch it. Yeah. So so it's the same kind of you know there is enough to find within within the film it, it, itself, but um, sometimes th- they up the sensationalism and down the drama. If you see what I mean. Yeah. If that makes any sense, the balance is sometimes it just feels a bit off. Why it's trying to be popular drama. It does feel- now. There's nothing yeah. wrong with something trying to be popular drama. I mean, popular drama is part of drama, and we have to you know we have to accept it exists and everything like that. I mean, other other series we've we've touched on have been much more. Um, much more the serious drama, but equally we have tried to touch on some more popular dramas as well. So you know it, there's a balance there somewhere, and how you define a popular drama or how you define an ITV drama is is, is very interesting.
0: It is. It, this this did feel very ITV to me. I don't know why, but it, it just had that feeling. And what would have made it BBC? I don't know. I think even in the casting, I think. But maybe that's just because I'm led by the fact that I know that like people like Jerome Flynn back in the day and James Hazeldean were used more by mm. ITV than they were used by the BBC, and maybe it's that, that the sort of actors that are selected and whether they're on the. Books. It's a, it's a very
1: subtle difference. I mean, it's, it's it's kind of it's one of those things that you do feel, you know, to to discuss it, is to not really understand it, you know. Yeah. But it, but it, it it is, you know, because the bill existed, so that was kind of like a police version of this, you know. Mm. But at the same time, over on the BBC, you've got Casualty. Yeah, you know, and I don't know whether I mean whether if you did a like for like comparison between an episode of London's Burning, you know, from the series run, and an episode of Casualty, whether you'd feel there was a tension or a difference apart from commercial breaks. Yeah, you know, um, whether whether it's just I don't I honestly don't know. It just feels that 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 maybe there's more more tension, um, or they ramp up the melodrama. I think, you know, I think maybe suffer-
0: it's just prejudice on my part because I always maybe. I always had a negative view of ITV and because it's the TV times mm. that we didn't get. So if we happened to watch mm. something on ITV, it was always by accident <laughs> rather than by design.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, I, I said, I mean, the, the interesting thing to me is that the, this was a series that ran for, was it, 14 years? Yeah. And I, I never watched it. It was that Sunday night, nine o'clock thing, you know, London weekend television, drama. And it, I just never, you know, I always thought, oh, no, it, it, I, I mean, I, I hesitate to use the word trashy. But, I, you know, because I don't think it would have been, no. I don't think it was, it couldn't have run that long, you know. Uh, uh, but, I mean, I, I never watched Soldier Soldier either. No. You know, it, 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 these things just didn't appeal to me. No. Maybe, again, it's possibly the soap element. Maybe the I just had this sort of instinct for avoiding things that I regarded as soap operas but but it's surprising that I didn't see this because the one-off drama would be something that I would tune in for. Yeah, sure. Yeah, It's an interesting point. There's
0: probably a, a variety of reasons come together to make the whole as to what, what it is that we're mm. Yeah Hmm So, that do you think we've covered London's burning? I think we have <laughs> Did you feel it was a satisfying piece of drama or did you feel overall it worked?
1: Being familiar with other Rosenthal works I I, I felt it was a little bit uh, it it didn't feel quite so you know when I first just sat and watched it I didn't really feel it it was quite in the same league Um, but whether that's just because it was a a larger ensemble cast or whether it was just less cosy or you know I mean I don't necessarily think that Rosenthal writes cosy but it kind of there's there's a kind you feel with with these other dramas that they have a specific you know um, there's there's a a thread running through them mm. like the knowledge the knowledge you know has the okay I mean the, you know the first day and the passing you know there is that but it but it feels very a closed world and maybe that's the thing uh, when a writer is trying to write about something that's annoyed them or they feel an injustice or something sometimes the world gets bigger. And sometimes, perhaps, it doesn't quite embrace all of what it wants to what it wants to encompass within the drama, because there's so much going on. Mm. And I think maybe if if there was any flaw, there isn't really, I feel, a, a character that you can actually latch onto that you stick with throughout, because the character that you're supposed to latch onto and stick with throughout doesn't make it to the end credits. Yeah, but you do stick. And you theref- do
0: stick with him to a degree, certainly. Um, Well, I
1: think maybe Blue Watch is the is the character.
0: Yes, you're right. Yeah.
1: Uh, You know. So, but what I'm saying is, you don't. You know, I say you're introduced to uh, ethnic at the beginning. You see his troubles, but because he doesn't actually make it out alive, somehow that feels less uplifting. Less. Maybe it's not supposed to feel uplifting. You know. But but in the same way that Mister McGill, and and the knowledge, feel, you know you've 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 met these people you've you've you know you've enjoyed their company and they're still out there somewhere mm. and maybe that's that's the thing which of course is important because you should feel the loss you should feel yeah. that you know this is a tragedy played as a farce at times, but you know and of course that's life you know life has its ups and downs and funny moments and terrible moments, but somehow you walk away from it thinking uh. Oh, and so, I mean, it took two years for it to come to series. I thought
0: that was interesting in itself. I mean, I think what what is interesting about it is that he's he's deliberately writing an ensemble piece. It's an ensemble drama. And that is a different yeah. piece to most. Most single plays are about one or two characters and, or one character and how he relates to the world. And this isn't that. And that therefore yes. gives him a harder harder job to actually get us into this... Into this um, world and understand these people because we're being introduced to so many people at once within a, t- a very short period, yeah. but it still works, well, and that's why I think you're well, right. I'm, I mean,
1: I'm a big fan, as you know, of Hill Street Blues yeah. which at this, this point we'd have been about four years into Hill Street, you know, yeah. so it was peak Hill Street. So the ensemble drama was very much, you know, a thing that was being done. I mean, it was being done very successfully, but uh, again, that is because you know you've got series as a one off film maybe it doesn't quite, you know, you don't feel you've en- met everybody enough. And you know, everybody gets their moment to shine. Yeah. And every, you know, every character, it's, it's, maybe that's the thing. You you sort of feel each one of them. It's almost like, hesitate to, <laughs> to go back to this, but you know, that, that structure of Boy, Boys from the Black stuff where you get different people's story. Yeah. You almost feel it would have worked better as a six-part miniseries where you told... Yeah. sick note story just yeah. told Charisma's yeah, yeah. story and and maybe it was cut significantly from what he was trying to write in the first place you know but but there is a kind of a sense of lots of different stories being not quite told as fully as you'd like yeah. if you like because because of that hour and a half two hour running time and i
0: think that's why it feels like as you're watching that it's screaming out for a pilot you know. Yes. And you. Oh, I, absolutely. I remember when they, they panned back at the end of the, the roll call and I was thinking they're going to say, next week on London's Burning.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know? it's like, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And that, that makes it an, an, an unusual single play in the sense that that is what it tries, to, it tries to do an awful lot in its runtime.
1: Well, it fascinates me as well because he, he never wrote another episode of it. Right. He's, he's credited. He is actually the most credited writer on, on IMDb, but that's because he's you know series created by. I think it's on. It's actually put on something like sixty seven episodes. You know, yeah. but but I don't think he ever returned to it. No, you know, no. at least I, I, I get that impression. I may have I may have got that completely wrong. Well, no, I, I, well, I think...
0: if it, if, the, if the producer carried on as being Paul Knights and he banned him mm. from the writing room, <laughs> no, I think he probably <laughs> well, wasn't in the editing. editing room. Yeah that's what I mean then it probably wasn't going to be a a relationship going forward and I imagine he thought he wanted to turn his attention to something else because he's very much an issues writer isn't he he wants to write about something else each time and I think he would have got very bored very
1: quickly carrying on writing about this world and he would think I've done this indeed Although, you know, like I say, did have form with Coronation Street, so it's... Um, yeah, but that has yeah.
0: the opportunity to be about different
1: things, doesn't it, all the time? Yes, yeah. And, you, of course, you're not the chief writer forever on that, I you know, know your part. Of that. So, what I'm saying is when you look at the, at the oeuvre, if you like, of, of, uh, of Jack yeah. Rosenthal, I don't think it necessarily feels like the best of it, but it's a very solid piece of television drama. And, you know, like I say, anything that actually manages to be... As fondly remembered as London Ber- London's burning is amongst its fandom, and and that runs that long, you know, it must have something about it. You know? Yeah. But what I'm saying is if you if you were asked to ask people, you know, what, you know, to name some Jack Rosenthal works, I wouldn't necessarily think it would be high on their no. list. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I maybe think it's you're... the first no, thing I think people right. think. Of.
0: I, did, I had no idea he wrote this. So yeah.
1: Mm. Yes. Good. So, do you think we've done it? I think we have. think we have okay (laughs) okay
0: so until next time take care okay then cheers martin okay bye 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 you've been listening to an A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy and Martin next time Miss Marple